visiting us today. Uh, we are in the middle of a series going through the Ten Commandments. And this morning we're going to consider the fourth word, the fourth commandment that the Lord gave to his people Israel. So please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. If you uh, don't have a Bible and would like one, you could put your hand up and someone will bring it to you. And you'll find it on page 77. It will real help to have a Bible in front of you this morning. Page 77. Well, while you look that up, let me tell you about my friend Russ. Uh, for Russ, Sunday was a day when he basically uh, took care of his grounds around his house, his yard, his garden. That's what Sunday was about. He was a busy guy, a busy business guy, and Sunday was just, that's what it was about. And um, he left an abusive uh, home situation at the age of 16. He started life. He'd made his own way. He'd done very well. He'd gone to a Catholic church at some stage and been catechized, but he drifted away from that. And he really wasn't going anywhere. He was just taking care of his yard on Sundays. Now, every week he would meet his neighbor, Eric, uh, around the community rubbish dumpster, and the conversation would include something like this. How's your day going? Russ would ask him, and Eric would always say something like this. He would say, well, it was a great day. We went to church this morning, and it was so good to worship God and hear what he had to say to us. Would you like to come to church with me next week? Now, Russ would just chuckle and say, no, no, I, uh, I'm a bit busy. Now, this happened every Sunday for about two years. Eric was a persistent man. Russ had kind of worked out after two years that Eric really wanted him to go to church, that church was kind of really important to him. So he, he finally agreed to go. He brought his, his wife and his kids to church the next Sunday, and he could not believe the welcome he got. Uh, he was gripped by the biblical teaching, and he just kept thinking about it during the week, and, um, and so he kept coming back. I visited Russ and Lisa a few weeks into them attending church, uh, one snowy night, got a very warm welcome. They, uh, in true American form, because it was a pastoring in America, uh, they gave me a cup of coffee and a piece of pie, and we talked. And I just said, look, what, um, what do you think Christianity is all about? They, they shared what they knew, and I said, well, can I share with you what I think it's about? And uh, they said, sure. And I laid out the, the good news of what Jesus had done for them, that he had come in the place of rebel sinners to die on a cross, to take the punishment that we deserved, so that all who repent and believe could be made right with God and restored into relationship with him. And uh, I said, well, what do you think about that? Well, Russ and Lisa thought it was the best news they'd ever heard. In fact, Russ almost got a bit angry that no one explained it to him that clearly before. And so that night, they both prayed and became Christians. They, they put their faith and hope in the Lord Jesus and uh, from that day on, they began to rest in Jesus for their salvation. And their life started to change in lots of wonderful ways. They started getting exciting about studying the Bible. And uh, it really helped them uh, begin to pray together. It helped them strengthen their marriage, which actually was getting a bit rocky. And uh, they tried to understand how they could uh, parent their children better as they uh, understood the Bible and began to apply it at home. And uh, they became members of the church that Eric invited them to. They got baptized. We're seeing a couple of baptisms today. They became members and they got thrown in. Uh, we keep in touch. Jesus is still transforming 
their lives as they rest in him for salvation. And one of the changes is very tangibly seen in how they treat Sunday. I mean, before Sunday, never thought about going to church. It was about family and yard work and stuff like that. And now, the highlight of their week on Sunday is to go to church, to be where Jesus meets amongst his people, uh, where God's word is preached, where they can communion, have communion with the Lord Jesus amongst his people, breaking bread and declaring God's praises in song and prayer. Now, I want you to bear that in mind as we come to the fourth commandment, uh, which we've got in Exodus chapter 20, this command to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Um, let me tell you what I'm going to attempt this morning. Firstly, I want us to see how this instruction applied to Israel then. Secondly, I want to show us how it points us back to God's creation design for human beings. And then thirdly, I want us to see how it pointed forward to the spiritual rest that we find when we put our faith in Jesus. So that's what I want to attempt this morning. So let's take the time to read uh, the Ten Commandments up to this point. So Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons, uh, or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is God's word. So firstly, Israel, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. For them to enjoy their special covenant relationship with the Lord God, they need to treat the seventh day as a special day different to all the other days of the week, to live their lives in a weekly pattern. Uh, six days the, with a focus on labor and work required to, to live, but then to consecrate the seventh day as a day of rest from their usual work. The word for rest in Hebrew is the word Shabbat, uh, which is why we refer to it as the Sabbath day. Now consider with me the kindness and the goodness of God 
in giving this command. Fifty days before they had been, um, uh, before the, this meeting at Sinai, they had been enslaved in Egypt, expected to work every day of the week under harsh and cruel slave masters for no pay at all. But God commanded them to rest one day a week. What a kind thing for God to command. This was a holy day of rest set aside by God. It was a day to recall their dependence upon God's provision. They've already had a taste of it before Sinai in uh, God's provision of the manna. We read about it back in Exodus Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. Uh, Through the wilderness, God provided for his people through this miraculous provision of manna, bread from heaven, the bread of the Lord that he gave them. They had to collect flakes from the desert floor that would provide them food for each day. They would go out to collect it for each day. And they were told if they hold on to it, then it would become all maggoty and smelly, except when they picked it up on the sixth day. On the sixth day, they were to pick up a double portion and they could boil it or bake it into bread. And actually, it would be fine for the seventh day. So the idea is they didn't have to work on the seventh day, collect twice as much on the sixth, enjoy, rest with their families and eating God's provision. He was teaching them. They could depend on him. A day of the week where they were not working was a reminder that the Lord God would provide for them and that they depended on God for their very existence. And if you went out on Sabbath day to look for manna, as some did, they found that there was, there was nothing there. They were demonstrating their disbelief that God would actually care for them when they did that. Note that if you're a workaholic, if you can't stop working, if you can never take a day off, What you're showing is that you think you're at the center of the universe and everything depends on you and you are not depending on God. Well, you're kidding yourself about that, aren't you? And you see, for them in Israel, this day of rest, it needed to be a community-wide day of rest. On the seventh day, you shall not do any work. And that wasn't just for parents and then send their kids out to do the work. No, their sons and daughters were also to rest. Uh, And they weren't just to sit back and let whatever slaves they might have to do their work on that day. No, the slaves are not expected to do any work. And not even their animals are allowed to work. Think about this. God cares about his creation. He cares about animals. Those donkeys and cows used to farm the land and uh, to bear burdens. uh, Well, they were to have the opportunity of their burdens taken off them so they can rest and graze and recuperate. There's no, there's no place for cruelty to animals. And they're not supposed to lean on migrant foreign labor to do work on the Sabbath day either. The whole community was to rest on the seventh day. In fact, the Lord God took resting very seriously. As we're going to read on in Exodus, uh, we'll see that there's the death penalty for those who disobey God and continue to work on the Sabbath day. The Lord God is teaching Israel it's really significant to rest. The seventh day Sabbath rest functioned for Israel like a sign, it says. A sign of their special covenant relationship with God. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 31 and um, 
have a look at verse 12, Exodus chapter 31 and verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. See, in the same way that the rainbow was a sign for God's faithfulness to uh, not bring flooding again for Noah, and male circumcision was the sign of God's covenant promise with Abraham, observing the Sabbath day as a day of rest was a sign of Israel being faithful to their covenant relationship with God given through Moses. This Sabbath day observance became a kind of barometer for the spiritual health of Israel. When Israel was in touch with God, they they kept the Sabbath. In Isaiah 58, it says this, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Their enjoyment of God, their joy in the Lord was shown by their delight in observing the Sabbath day. Uh, When they gave up on Sabbath observance, it showed they were wandering away from God, being unfaithful to God. This is what so appalled Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah, who did that extraordinary thing, a cupbearer to the king of Babylon. The the land had been trashed. Jerusalem walls had been destroyed. And Nehemiah came back and oversaw the rebuilding of the walls and the reclamation of the true worship of God in Israel. After the exile was over, he had to go back to uh, see to uh, the issues back in uh, to the king. And when he returned, he found that all things had gone awry. And one of the things that had gone awry was that they were not following the Sabbath rules. They were treating it like an everyday business day. And he rebuked the community leaders. And he said to them this, you'll read it in Nehemiah 13, what is this wicked thing you are doing? Desecrating the Sabbath day. Didn't your ancestors do the same thing so that our God brought all this calamity on us, the the exile, the destruction of Jerusalem? Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. And so he enforced the locking of the Jerusalem gates at the start of the Sabbath to ensure the people did rest. Their unwillingness to cease working is is a confession of their unbelief. So it's a barometer, very significant sign for Israel. Now what, what's, what's the motivating reason for keeping the Sabbath day as holy? Well, the answer is given back in chapter 20 and verse 11. And it's the second point I want to make of uh, how this fourth word pointed Israel back to God's creation design. So secondly, humanity, remember to rest with your creator. Look at uh, chapter 20 and verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So remember, God finished the work of creation in six days 
and then he rested. The opening chapters of Genesis are pivotal, really, for the whole uh, understanding for the rest of the Bible. And the reason that Israel are to uh, treat the seventh day of Shabbat as, as a resting day is located right here. Uh, we read in Genesis chapter 1, in six days, how God made spaces and then filled spaces. And then he completed the work in six days. There was no more that he needed to do. He pronounced every day, it was good, it was good, it was good. On the sixth day, he created uh, mankind, male and female. He pronounced it was very good. It was complete. And so he rests from his work of creation. God is resting, not because he's tired, but because the work of creation is complete. And because God is wanting to enjoy his creation. On the seventh day, it says in Exodus 31, 17, on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God is taking pleasure in all that he had made, including in his special creation of Adam and Eve. You see, this is God's plan for human history. Through his word and by his spirit, he is taking the world to rest, perfection, and peace. A place where God can enjoy what he has created. What he's created can enjoy being in relationship with him and rest with him. What a wonderful thing this is. The goal of life is not work. Isn't that a good thing? We work so that we can rest. But we work so we can rest in joyful fellowship with our creator God. Life is more than work. You are more than being an economic unit. You're more than a worker bee. Life is more than the physical world. God, who is spirit, preceded the physical world that he created. We're, we're more than physical bodies. God breathed into us his spirit. And our souls need to find their rest in God because we are body and soul. It's important we remember both those bits. We're, we're body, so physically we neglect the patterns of work and rest at our peril. Uh, God has built this creation in such a way that um, he's built rhythms of day and night. And before Edison uh, created his light bulb, people really had to do a lot more resting at night. Uh, students, you will learn at your peril that you cannot keep drinking Red Bull and work 24-7 as the exams approach. You will collapse. It will not work. It is a law of diminishing returns. Work steadily. Take Sundays off. Come and learn about God. It's much more important. During the French Revolution, the Republic changed to a, a calendar that introduced a 10-day working week. Can you imagine the horror of that? Uh, they gave it up 13 years later because it didn't work. This one in seven patent just seems to perfectly fit the needs of our, of our body and our minds. And it's a kind of a sadness that we've kind of given up uh, our resting as much as we could. It's funny, Christmas Day fell on Sunday and we managed to get all our shopping done and everyone managed, most people managed to have the day off and enjoy being it together. And well, that's what it used to be like. Physically, we need rest. Spiritually, we neglect our need for a right relationship with God at our peril. We need to find our rest in God. God has designed you for more than just physical appetites. Um, 
He, he, he has made you in his likeness and you are to live your life as sons and daughters in a meaningful relationship with dependence with God. To worship him. You're all made to be worshippers. I mean, the language of worship is everywhere. The problem is that our worship tends to be on all things that are unworthy of worship. But God is worthy of our delight and our praise and our worship. And you will find real rest in your souls when you find yourself a true worshipper of the living God. See, the restlessness, the exhaustion of the world is another reminder that we're not resting with our creator. In fact, we are We're enemies with our creator. We're fighting our creator. We live in a pretense that we're self-sufficient while we thanklessly ignore the creator who actually gives us all good things. Israel were to identify themselves with the Lord God, not merely by having no other gods and and, and by not making idols of him, or or not merely by uh, avoiding the misuse of his name, but, but the way they used their time. The way they used their time, they showed that they were different and separate and they were a people who lived for the praise and the glory of the Lord God as they rested with him. And so we've seen what the fourth word meant for Israel under the Mosaic Covenant. We've seen how it pointed back to God's creation design for human beings. Thirdly, I want to see how this points forward to our spiritual rest in Jesus So Christian, remember to rest in Jesus Christ. As Christians, we're not called to keep the Sabbath day in the way that Israel kept the Sabbath uh, under the covenant with Moses. That old covenant was temporary. It was pointing forward to Jesus. As those who are in the new covenant Uh, relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we're no longer obligated to obey the commands of the law under Moses. And so, for example, you may have noticed we're we're not meeting on the Sabbath, on Saturday. Uh, We are meeting on a Sunday. Now, why is that? Well, from the early church in Acts forwards, we see that Christian believers began to meet on the Sunday. Interestingly, the Jews continued to go to the temple on the Sabbath, but actually they found a way to meet as Christians on the Sunday. It was a regular work day. Uh, But on Acts 20, verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week, Christian believers gathered to break bread and to hear the Apostle Paul teach. You read through 1 Corinthians, it seems that people are working during the day, but uh, they met uh, later in the evening with fellow Christians to remember Uh, the Lord's Supper, and to take a collection together for the relief of the poor who are having hardships in Jerusalem. The Apostle John records in the book of Revelation that um, uh, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day when he received this revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ that we've got in as the final book in in our Bibles. The Lord's day. Why is it called the Lord's day? Well, because this was the day that Christ rose from the dead. This was the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. It's the Lord's day. And we obey the teachings of scripture in Exodus by trusting in the one to whom all the commandments point to find our true spiritual rest in a restored relationship with God through Jesus. This striving, this restlessness, the exhaustion of the world is our sinfulness and our rebellion. 
It's pointing us forward to Jesus. I think Liam alluded to this from Matthew chapter 11 at the start of the service, uh, where Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our non-stop working to achieve our own existence or our own salvation is foolish and it's evidence of our rejection uh, of God and our dependence upon Him. And if you have started waking up to the fact that life is wearying with endless striving, and in fact you don't kind of see what the point of it's all about, listen to the words of Jesus again. I want to speak the words of Jesus to you today, as if I were Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus worked hard throughout his life as a carpenter for 30 years, as a preacher of the kingdom of God, calling people to repentance and faith to enter into the the kingdom of God. And by his miracles, he kind of showed how this kingdom of God is going to reverse all the curses and brokenness of the world as he redeemed and restored and transformed the lives of the sick, the afflicted, the possessed, and put them back together again. Jesus worked hard all the way up to the sixth day of work where on the cross he shed blood, sweat, and tears to save the world. And his final words on the cross, wonderful words, it is finished. As God rested the work of creation complete on day six. Jesus rested. The work of salvation completed on the cross through his self-sacrifice for sinful rebels. And so with his cross work finished, he rested in the grave on the Sabbath day. And wonderfully, he was raised on the first day of the new week. In fact, the eighth day is the dawn of a new age, the kingdom of God age, the resurrection age, the age where we can find our rest in God through trusting Jesus Christ. Through faith in Christ, we have peace with God. Shalom, peace, rest, acceptance. Guilty sinners need not fear the wrath of this God, for they are forgiven and cleansed and welcomed. My friends, if you've not put your trust in Christ, what holds you back from doing that today? It's all been done for you. You simply need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ today. And our friends are, in a moment, going to get into the pool. They're going to visualize this through baptism, how that they have been, in a sense, 
They've died with Christ. They're going to be buried and they're going to be pulled up out of the water. They, they're saying well, we're part of the eighth day. We're part of the Lord's day. We're part of the resurrection age. For we are resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a blessing it is to have one day in a week where we set aside to remember the Lord. If we can have Sunday off, and I know some doctors and other people can't because they got their shift work, what a blessing it is that we set apart and consecrate the Sunday as the Lord's day. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, how we should be thinking about how we spur one another on to love and good deeds. You know, before you come to church, you'll be thinking, who can I encourage today? Who can I spur today towards love and good deeds uh, as we meet together on the Lord's day? And encourage each other as the day approaches. Uh, we, as Christians, we don't go to church. We don't give money. We don't serve as a way of earning our salvation. Not at all. We've been saved. We've been accepted. We start as those with salvation rest in Christ. But what a joy it is to meet. And you know what? Our attendance at church is a spiritual barometer of our relationship with Jesus, is it not? When we're wandering away from the Lord, we don't want to join with other Christians. We don't want to be made to feel guilty. We don't want to be reminded of the truth of the Lord Jesus and what he commanded we should obey. And so we avoid meeting with the Lord's people. But when we love the Lord, we're eager to meet with his family. Like Russ and Lisa, it's the highlight of the week. When we get to break bread in the Lord's Supper, to hear God's word in the scriptures, when we, when we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching about Jesus, when we enjoy declaring the praises of God who has loved us and encouraged and edify each other, this is a vital means that God uses us to keep pressing us forward to the ultimate day of rest. For we're not there yet, are we? The new heavens and the new earth that Christ has won for us at the cross is still Ahead of us, the judgment day is coming, the eternal separation of heaven and hell for those who refuse Christ into everlasting destruction, for those who have joyfully looked forward to his coming, for they've received Christ, eternal rest. In Hebrews chapter 4 it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, as Israel did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Let us use this day to remind each other to listen to Jesus, to trust Jesus, to obey Jesus, and encourage each other in this. And then as we live as the redeemed people, all glory will be to Christ. And we're going to sing that as we uh, close this part of the service. And then after we've sung this, we're going to witness a couple of baptisms this morning. Um, the words may be slightly new, but I think the tune will be well remembered. Let's stand and sing.